0: Good morning. I'm reading John 20:24 20, through 31 the Common English Bible. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the 12, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, "We've seen the Lord." But he replied, "Unless I see the nail marks in his hand put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand in his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, look at my hands put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Jesus replied, do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing, you will have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Will you please pray with me? loving and gracious God we give thanks for your Holy Spirit that fills our life and fills our world and we pray that through that spirit we will hear your word for us today amen the season of Easter is all about new life or more specifically life after death life that springs up in the midst of loss that promises that no matter where we've been or what we've done or what, been, what has been done to us that we can begin again. Easter is a season that, that starts in the darkness of that Easter morning when all seems to be lost, but from that darkness the, the uh, Easter story declares our most central Christian truth that, that death is not the end. It's not the end for Jesus, not for us, and not for the disciples. So we finally re-arrived in Easter season, so let's check in on those disciples who just learned the fantastic news that Jesus is alive. Surely they must be, you know, like celebrating a great Easter meal, celebrating the gift of new life. Nah, they go lock themselves in a room and hide. It's not the best look. But Jesus comes to where the disciples are hiding. He greets them with a sign of peace. Jesus offers them love that overcomes their loss and fear. Jesus shows the disciples the wounds on his hands and his side and his feet, and then they believe Unfortunately, one of the disciples is missing. His name is Thomas. The disciples go to him and other disciples share the news that Jesus is alive, but but Thomas doesn't buy it. He says that he won't believe until he can stick his finger in the wounds of Jesus. But Jesus comes through. He shows up the next time the disciples are together. And this time, Thomas is there. So Thomas sticks his fingers in Jesus' wounds. It's a little gross. But because of that, Thomas believes. In fact, right here in our scripture, Thomas is the only person to identify Jesus as God. The last one to believe is now the model of belief. It feels like a perfect way to end the Gospel of John, but then Jesus adds in this one little extra thing. He asks Thomas, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who, see who don't see and yet believe. From this, Thomas earns the nickname Doubting Thomas. And here, the takeaway of the story sort of seems to be that Thomas should have been able to believe without seeing Jesus. At least that it's better to believe without evidence. But that's kind of a tough sell for a lot of us. I mean, I think we've seen the danger of religious and political leaders who tell their followers to ignore the so-called experts and instead believe them. For, For many of us, Belief requires something like critical analysis of a situation so we can feel confident in what we believe and who we trust because that's what we're talking about here is trust. When, when Jesus tells Thomas to believe, he's not, this is a belief of like cognitive certainty. Jesus uses the, the Greek word for faith that means to believe in someone, to have faith in someone, to trust someone. And, and how do we trust someone? Well, we learn to trust someone because they show up. They follow through. They keep their promises. We learn to trust someone based on how they behave. And, and if I want someone to trust me, I have to show them that I'm trustworthy. And, and in that way, the, the burden of belief is, is on the one we are supposed to believe in. I, I think a good analogy for this is, is parenting. A, a friend of mine actually mentioned this, that you, you show up for your kids again, and again, and again, And your kids learn that the next time they need you, you'll be there for them. The the more you show up, the easier it is for you to, like, be away from your kids for longer periods of time. Because they trust that you'll return. And, And she said, actually this was helpful, she said when her kids don't trust her, she doesn't blame her kids. Because the burden of trust is on her as the parent. to to demonstrate to her kids that she's trustworthy. And and I feel like that same dynamic is going on in our text too. The the burden of belief is on Jesus. He needs to instill faith in his followers. Jesus, and, and to do this, Jesus actually shows up before his followers believe. Jesus shows up in the garden for Mary before she believes that Jesus is risen. Jesus shows up for the disciples when they're hiding and afraid instead of like out looking for Jesus. Jesus shows up for Thomas when Thomas needs to see him before he can believe. In the Gospel of John, every time that Jesus shows up after his resurrection, Jesus appears to someone who seems unable to believe. And in this same section, after Jesus is resurrected, everyone who believes in Jesus does so after they see Jesus. So while on the surface, this story might might seem to be a story about whether or not Thomas has faith in Jesus, but I think it's really a story about how Jesus has faith in Thomas. This is a text about how Jesus has faith in his followers when they lack faith in him. Because even though this this fragile group of folks don't believe yet, even though they're hiding away, Jesus believes in them. Jesus has faith that they can lead the church, faith that they can forgive those who persecute them, Faith they can love those who the world has deemed unlovable. To me, the, the most amazing part of this story is not the faith of the disciples, but the faith of Jesus. Because if Jesus takes on the burden of faith, then, then faith is not about who believes with the most certainty, And faith is not about who believes the right things. Faith is actually less about our performance and more about God's love. We have faith because Jesus has faith in us. Actually, in in recent years, there's been a whole movement in biblical scholarship to re examine the faith of Jesus. It's, you know, laid out in just books with riveting titles like The Faith of Jesus Christ, An Investigation into the Narrative Substructure of Galatians 3, 1, 4 through 11. I'm sure that title does everything to sell you, you can just Google it now. Um, but uh, I digress, the, basically there are, these, there are these sections in uh, Paul's letters, in like Romans and Ephesians and Galatians, and, and sort of the larger section explains how we're saved by the faithfulness of Jesus. But that larger theological point is sort of in tension with some other scriptures in those same passages about how we're saved by faith in Jesus. But as it turns out, the Greek grammar isn't clear, and it can be translated faith in Jesus or faith of Jesus. So, usually what happens, most Bibles, the translators will pick one of those two translations and then add a little footnote, like a little number like H, and you look before and it says, or it could be faith of Jesus. And, and a lot of the translations that we probably grew up on, like the NIV, uh, go with Jesus, the, with faith in Jesus, salvation through faith in Jesus, because that fits better with American Christianity's theology that that salvation comes through an individual decision to believe. But a lot of the the best biblical scholars in the world argue that it's more grammatically correct and more exegetically correct to, to translate these verses as salvation coming through the faith of Jesus. They demonstrate that these verses support the larger point, that it's not our individual faith that saves us, but the faithfulness of Jesus. Jesus' trust that life can overcome death. Jesus' faith in his ragtag group of followers to share his gospel of love. Jesus' faith in us. The theology that we see there in the Apostle Paul and the, the narrative of John's gospel point to the same truth. That we are saved by the faith of Jesus who accompanies us throughout the ups and downs of life. We're saved by the faith of Jesus who believes in us despite our doubts, questions, and mistakes. A, A friend of mine described this as a scandalous amount of trust that God has in humanity. And, and I think that, that what he meant by that is God has way more faith in us than is probably appropriate based on like the way that we treat one another, particularly the way we treat uh, those uh, who have been deemed for some reason like, uh, yeah, like put outside of the, the center of society. And, and in that sense, my friend's not wrong What I really hear in his objection to God's scandalous trust in humanity is that God has a lot more faith in us than we have in ourselves. We might even think that God should not have as much faith in us. But at least for me, the the part of me that says that God's wrong to have faith in me, the voice that says that I'm worse than God realizes. I don't think that's a voice that brings me new life. I don't think that's a voice that I need to listen to if I'm going to work for the gospel of love and justice. The voice that tells me that I'm not worthy of God's faith is the voice of the accuser, not the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is filled with love. We see it in this passage. Jesus comes to his disciples when they're locked in a room and greets them with peace. Jesus has faith that they can continue his ministry despite the fact that that he hasn't seen them since they abandoned him and went into hiding while he died. Jesus' faith in the disciples enables the disciples to have faith in themselves. And at least for me, I think this is a helpful reminder, particularly when, when life's chaotic and things feel out of control, when, when we feel far from God, when we are filled with doubt, to remember that God has faith in us, probably more faith than we have in ourselves. So to return to Thomas and his bad rap, yeah, Thomas doubts, but Thomas doubts because he cares. This is way too big of a deal for him to passively accept what everyone else says. Thomas has the courage to be vulnerable and and tell Jesus what he needs to believe, rather than just like walking away cynically. And. And I think Thomas is actually a lot like Mary, in, particularly in God's, John's gospel. Their doubts lead to intimacy with Jesus. You know, in, in we, last week we looked at Luke, but in John's account of Easter morning, because Mary stays, because she's uncertain, because she isn't sure, she stays in the garden when the other disciples leave, and because of that, she sees Jesus in the flesh. Because Thomas is honest about his doubts, Jesus invites him to put his fingers in his wounds. This, this level of intimacy is a privilege. It's an expression of how much Jesus trusts them despite their doubts. Or maybe it's more like Jesus sees those doubts as an expression of desire. So where, I guess where I want to end it is just to say that you know no matter where you're at remember that God has faith in you because God loves you. Our story today began with a group of people locked in their house because they were afraid to go outside. That everything about their circumstances and their life made belief difficult but even in their darkest hour Jesus appeared to them and had faith in them. It wasn't faith that they would never doubt or question or make mistakes. No, it was the kind of faith that Jesus still has in us. Faith that they and we can receive the peace that's given to us and share that peace with the world. Faith that they and we can receive forgiveness and forgive others. Faith that they and we can receive the love that's offered and share that love with a hurting world. Jesus has faith in us so that we will have faith in ourselves. Faith that we are perfectly imperfect enough to carry his gospel of love to the world may it be so